Welcome back to the Talk Sex Podcast. My name is Elle Stanger. I'm your host. We're going to talk about the gay history of fitness, and we're going to speak with Peter D. Baker. Hi, Peter. Hi. Hi. We're also going to talk about some sexual orientation issues that relate to men or cis men or males. Um, we're going to talk about biphobia, homophobia, and probably pleasure and things too, right? We should talk positive, not just Yeah, negative. we should talk positive. Certainly. So we're going to learn more about Peter in a few minutes. You can look him up, peterdbaker.com. IG and Twitter are the same. And you can email him, peter, at peterdbaker.com. So you wrote a book. I did. What's your book called? Uh, well, technically, I co-wrote two books uh, with a colleague slash friend that I've known for now 10 years. The first one is a bodybuilding prep guide called the Complete Contest Prep Guide. So basically, it tells you how to get dick skin shredded so that you can compete on stage and flex your muscles. Dick skin shredded. Is that like when your skin, like it's so taut that you can see like all the veins and the blood pumping? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Uh, and the reference comes from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia when Roxy, the sex worker, is like, this jack is tighter than dick skin. <laughs> and uh, it's one of the most hilarious lines on the show. Uh, so yeah, so getting dick skin shredded is what you do. Uh, for mm -hmm. a bodybuilding competition, and depending on what division you compete in, depends on how dick skin shredded you have to get. What was the other book you wrote? The other book is a general uh, nutrition slash fat loss book called Fat Loss Forever. Okay. We, uh, we're big on individual autonomy, and I think that's important. So, and, and there is research out there that says, regardless of where the weight is coming from, it's too much of it's not good for your system. So if you take 10 pounds of muscle and add it to your skeletal structure, that's still 10 extra pounds of shit that your body has to do that it might not want to do. Ooh. And so, and that's, and that's where like, I will say that I am not anti body mass index. Is it flawed? Yes. Is it a metric? Also? Yes. Okay. With greater context, can it be useful? Fucking maybe talk to your doctor. <laughs> I like where you're coming from with all of this. So something that you and I talk about sometimes, because we have two totally different experiences, is um, I think bisexuality or queerness or pansexuality, whatever terms you use, but you and I are not straight. However, we look very straight. And I think we both have a lot of, we've had a lot of hetero um, functioning relationships. Yeah. Like I've dated a lot of cis men. Uh, it sounds like you've dated a lot of cis women. Um, but we're, we're opening up as we get older. And also your identity is interesting to me because I know that as a feminine looking person, my bisexuality, especially when it's performative or visible to others will be way more supported than you doing quote unquote gay stuff. So I'm always interested to hear like, what is the culture like for you? So we're going to talk a little bit about culture in fitness and diet today. And I also happen to live, because I live in Seattle, and not far from me is the woman who basically invented sports nutrition. Her name is Dr. Susan Kleiner. Everybody should look her up. Oh, interesting. She is a, she's an OG, and she's wonderful. Huh. So how do you describe your sexual orientation and your gender? Uh, typically, I'll joke and say I'm not straight or just say I'm bisexual, but I am a cis man. Okay. So I have a book who was loaned to me by a friend. Uh, he's a trans man. Um, he's also an artist. We share and uh, exchange a lot of art and opinions. And uh, so this book is called Gay Art. It was written by, seems like another man. And it's just like art over documented history. And something I'm noticing is because for the last 2000 years, the world has basically been ruled by people who are existing under patriarchal religions. A lot of it is like men forward and men led. And so you would think that we would have a culture more supportive of male sex, but in thinking like, okay, like the Greek statues where it's all these statues or paintings or like works of art that are depicting these muscle bound men and it's like, who created these? And also, who were they about? And a lot of them were created by bisexual artists who had male lovers. And they fashioned them after their male lovers and then named them after like a saint or something in the Bible. And I think that's hilarious. Oh, yeah. Even some of the depictions we see of Jesus uh, were 
based off of uh, certain artists and their lovers. I think it was either Leonardo or Leonardo was one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. So, and then the Olympics and a lot of fitness culture evolved also from these cultures that were based on like the Greek and the European ideals of attractiveness or body structure. Um, and I think what you get today is a really interesting culture that has no idea of some of its gay origins. Oh, God, no. I'm talking about gym culture, wrestling culture, fitness culture. So it's funny you mentioned the, the Greek statue. So one of the first, he was among the first, and some people regard him as the first bodybuilder, was a guy named Eugene Sandow. I've heard that name. Yeah, and uh, he was a strong man, so he... He lifted the heavy weights as part of the show. Which is he a, was an entertainer? Yeah, essentially. Okay. And he, But people were more interested in his the way his muscles moved, and so they would look at that mm. uh, as well when he was on the stage, and that became more of the attraction than actually lifting the weights. But Sandow's goal was to sculpt his body to look like one of these Greek statues. So he did. Hmm. And uh, the first one of the first things that uh, the Edison movie studio did was you know, like a little reel of Eugene Sandow flexing. And That's you can, right. You can, uh, you can go to his Wikipedia page and you can find that. And he was very likely a bisexual sex worker who would cruise up and down the beach for sex with other men. And he also had a hetero relationship and had kids. As one does. And he also <laughs> lived with a roommate, roommate at one point in his life who, played, who was a very talented pianist, if I recall. Pianist is a fun word. Um, especially when you're immature like me. Uh, so can you, can you trace some other historical origins about like gay male sexuality and fitness culture? So then we have that, right? So gay sex worker or bisexual sex worker guy. And then like in the forties and fifties, all these magazines started coming out. And back then porn was like not good in the eyes of society. <laughs> not good. Cause a lot of it was probably really damaging and controlled by the dominant culture possibly yeah but uh and then imagine how it would be to have gay porn back then mm -hmm. in, in those days so then they had uh these physique magazines commonly called beefcake magazines uh and basically they had dudes posing uh pictures of wrestling and some of them were used for art purposes so you know it was like coded porn mm -hmm. and then um you had other people who liked working out and they would put these ads in comic books to make exercising like uh, a thing like the, the Atlas comic where the kid's getting sand kicked in his face. Mm. And it's like, Oh, Hey, uh, maybe if you weren't so weak, uh, you wouldn't be getting sand kicked in your face. You could fight the man and then drag the woman away. And then you had uh Jack LaLanne who, mm, he made the juicer thing popular, right? He did, but he also pretty much invented health club culture as we know it uh, today. Interesting. You could trace that back to the Kellogg's uh, with their Battle Creek Sanatorium and all their weird Seventh-day Adventist dietary rules, but... A lot of people don't know anything about this, but... I mean, I could say something. Briefly, yeah, briefly. Do you, okay, briefly. Who was, Ke who was Dr. Kellogg? He was a, a Seventh-day Adventist, or at the very least used Seventh-day Adventist teachings to... Uh, advocate dietary laws and they did research on this and started linking like meat to heart disease and stuff like that and he started this thing called the battle creek sanitarium and it was like a health spa and uh so he made cornflakes but they were also anti-masturbation like he, oh heavily right so he got he had some interesting ideas and we grew things out of those but then he had some very wrong damaging ideas that some people yeah. still cling so to. it was it was a good it was a good starting point because there we now know there are links to uh cardiovascular disease and too much saturated fat mm -hmm. and but we also know that eating cereal like that isn't going to minimize your desire for masturbation <laughs> Uh, however, if you eat enough carbohydrates with nothing else, then it could potentially throw your hormones out of whack and make you, uh, have a less active libido, eh. which was kind of also through and the same for the Graham cracker, mm. uh, and which was named after a guy named Dr. Graham. Same mm -hmm. thing back in those days, they called it onanism mm -hmm. from the Bible, from the story of Onan spilling his seed. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, so all these guys were not a fan of that. And then... 
so he, so he started that and that was like the first ever health club. And then, you know, there were some noble intentions too. So like uh, back then they called um, the disabled invalids. Mm-hmm. So softening up the cornflakes would make it easier for people who couldn't masticate. It would make it easier for them to chew. Wow. I just thought about how the word invalid is like saying invalid. Yeah. And how a lot of times in our culture, we have to remind people with disabilities that they are valid. Yeah. Wow. We're getting a crash course in so much history. And that's why I try to say, you know, back in those days, they called it this. Right. Context is very important. We learn a lot. And these are all white men for the most part, too. And we're white people here talking about it. So when we think about culture and dominant culture impacts, you can see how some of the uh, limitations arise in our thinking. And then, so uh, in uh, a great capitalism story post of post cereals was a patient at battle creek and he's like man i really fucking like these cornflakes and then that son of a bitch went and made grape nuts <laughs> to compete after he got out of the uh, the sanitarium wow and did they all leave the sanitarium feeling quite sane <laughs> that i'm not sure but i mean i'm not upset that we have pop tarts today oh yeah or other uh cereals from post and kellogg's yeah those kooks Okay, so there's all kinds of origins. Um, Can you think of some other notable characters in fitness history? I mean, there's Arnold. (laughs) There's Arnold, and he he pretty much also made it popular along with Jack LaLanne. And, um, you know, like he set out to to be into politics and stuff like that. But there's always always this joke, too. It's like uh, when people jokingly talk about, like, you know this bodybuilding thing looks pretty gay and it's like well yeah it's a bunch of dudes wearing very skimpy trunks flexing for the approval of other men because uh i mean most of the judges are men Mm. and they get all greased up oh yeah it's a thin line between art and porn always i and i've had discussions on this i would contend that porn is art Mm -hmm. whether Mm -hmm. it's good art or bad art is debatable but like i'm a big fan of the devil and miss jones Oh, that's old school. Porn. That's old. They did a, they a, had a plot vivid studio in the early aughts did a remake with Savannah Sampson was the pornographer's name. And yes, I watched the whole thing. It was really interesting. Jenna Jameson was the devil, I think. And it's based off of uh, loosely based off of John Paul Sartre's No Exit. Oh, interesting. Which also inspired the last episode of Seinfeld. Not that I watched that show because it's not my jam. <laughs> Seinfeld has come up twice in this ep- in this uh, podcast now, but it's where we get the quote "Hell is other people." Hell is other people. That, we get it from that uh, Jean Paul Sartre "No Exit." Wow, interesting. Oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is a straight man, though, right? As far as we know, yeah. As far as we know, yeah. So he had some impacts, but uh, not not a uh, not to the sexual realm. There, there is another guy, and some will argue that his homosexuality. Uh, impeded him in his progress of his career a guy named bob paris uh and he's regarded as one of the greatest physiques of all time impeded him how like discrimination impeded him i i think so like maybe kept him from winning titles i'm not overly familiar with uh the work of bob paris because uh it was a name new to me Mm. uh, despite how long i've been uh in in these circles Hmm. but uh, i think he wrote a book okay we could check that on one of our breaks yeah So I asked some of my online audience, I said, bisexual men, um, what is it that keeps you closeted? And I already kind of knew the answer, (laughs) discrimination, homophobia. But I wanted to read some of these responses. Family, business partners, their reactions. One person says, I'm in a place where I have to listen to men talk about beating up gay men to prove how not gay they are. It's stressful and I need to leave. God damn. I sincerely hope you can leave if you are listening to this. Yeah. The fear of my cis male friends not understanding keeps me closeted. Um, Stigma from society. Fear of losing my job. Unraveling trained ways of bonding with other men to become romantic keeps me closeted. I think I know I think I have some thoughts on that. Yeah, one. please. I don't like when people read into everything they see in, in TVs and movies and stuff like that, where two guys show uh, a modicum of affection to each other. It's like, oh, they're at least bisexual. It's like, don't do that because then that devalues potential straight male friendships, which they need, mm-hmm. which all men need that. Mm-hmm. They need um, 
you know, intimacy from touching and joking and yeah, hugs like, and you don't have to make it a queer thing if it's not explicitly said. Mm-hmm. Especially now when we don't need to do as much queer coding anymore mm-hmm. in in our media. So I think what's coming up for me is, despite all of the privilege that straight or um, hetero presenting men have, it's really easy to topple that if you are gay or bi. Um, This person says, I probably understand my position of privilege and I am afraid to lose it. I think that's interesting. Yeah. And uh, I I know for me, it was like, for one, uh, and like I first quote unquote publicly came out. So what I would do is I would typically just drop it into conversation where relevant. Wouldn't try to shoehorn it in, but like if it was relevant, I would mention it. And if people noticed it, they noticed it. If not, then the fuck ever so i made a post that's like uh on instagram yeah and it was inspired uh because of uh and like the day before uh, a friend of mine a guy named jay ashman i think i showed you his instagram uh he came out as pansexual and i was mm. like you know what i should do the same we could probably help out a lot of young men this way oh that's really nice and that's you. ultimately why i did it because like i look quote unquote typical like a like You're a easy typical, to blend in yeah, like, I look like a typical masculine guy, mm-hmm. uh, but I also have a lot of varied interests, like musical theater, diverse academic interests, and uh, physical pursuits and things like that. Mm-hmm. So let's take a quick break, and we're going to talk more about um, fitness industry stuff and sexuality. You can email peter at peterdbaker.com. What are the names of your books again? The Complete Contest Prep Guide and Fat Loss Forever. Cool. And then find me, stripperwriter.com. I post updates there sometimes. Email the podcast, they talk sex at protonmail.com. Ioba Toys is the creator of the super silent sex toys, the Oh My G and the Oh My C. The Oh My G is a G spot massager with three intensity levels, a massaging pearl, and a unique C shape made to precisely hit the G spot. The Oh My C is a clitoral massager with a rotating massaging pearl that mimics a tongue or fingers, also known as oral sex, and it fits in the palm of your hand. Both toys are super silent and come in pink or white. Try code L30 for 30% off on iobatoys.com. Do you have sex questions? Do you want help learning new techniques, communicating with a partner, opening a relationship, or exploring kink? Sex and intimacy coach Stella Harris can help. Book a session now to take your intimate life to the next level. Listeners of this podcast receive 20% off their first session with code TTS. Learn more and schedule at www.stellaharris.net. Or follow her on Instagram at Stella Harris Erotica. Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Elle Stanger. We are talking about the gay history of fitness with Peter D. Baker. And you had a you we were talking about someone earlier and you found out some fun little tidbits. Yeah, uh, I mentioned Bob Paris, uh, an openly gay male bodybuilder, and um I knew some of it affected his career in some way, but uh he was apparently the first professional athlete who was still actively competing in the sport to come out as gay. Wow. And, uh, in know, the 80s. In 1989, yeah, I believe is when he came out. Wow. So he, he came out as gay, and then he appeared on the Oprah show, you know, Oprah Winfrey. Oprah's still around. She's, she's been, prolific. We forget how prolific she is. She's been around The forever. youngsters don't know, yeah. Yeah, like forever. And... Apparently they were discussing marriage and and being gay. And Oprah said to Bob, why not just stay in the closet? And he said, well, when you fall in love, it's not right to hide it. And then according to Wikipedia, Bob Paris and his former boyfriend, Rod Jackson, became symbols for gay marriage and advocated gay rights. And his career ended up suffering because he came out as gay and uh, predictably people threatened his life, which still happens today mm-hmm. uh, because of shit like that. And he lost about 80% of his bookings and endorsements for bodybuilding. Wow. And uh, yeah, there's an article uh, in the Windy City Times 
called Former Mr. Universe, Bob Paris on Oprah, Coming Out, Marriage, Gay, Lesbian, Bi, Trans News Archive. Wow. And uh, that's one of the sources on the wiki page. How sad. Like, what a shame. And how, again, ironic that so many people don't understand what they're participating in and how it started. And that's why we're here, so to try to learn Cancel more about that. Cancel culture's been around forever. That's true. Ostracizing people out of community and making it so they have a harder time feeding themselves or being safe is the original cancel culture. <laughs> so let's go into, thank you for that update, by the way. Of course. Yeah. Thank you. And let's do listener questions. Oh, I love listener questions. Me too. Okay. So in fitness, is there a lot or any steroid use? My gym rat friend said they all use them where he works out, uh, injecting testosterone and anabolic steroids into their asses. Um, you have to take estrogen to stop from forming male breasts or man boobs, which he called moobs. Is any of that correct? Or what do you think, Peter? Uh, not fully, but it's on the, uh, the right track. So the example uh, that I use is Fight Club. So in Fight Club, Bob... Another Bob. Bob Paulson. This is the one who dies, right? His name was Robert Paulson. Yeah, his, his name is Robert Paulson, played by Meatloaf. Oh, that is Meatloaf. And he had large breasts. He did. He had, which the technical term is have. gynecomastia. Okay. Uh, it's the development of breast tissue in men. Uh, so, and they mentioned specifically in the movie that he was on testosterone replacement therapy. So, what happens is, in general, whether you're what they call in the industry natty or not. Natty. Natural. Oh, like non, natural. Like no drugs. Okay. No steroids. Okay. So what happens in every human that produces steroid hormones, which are your androgens and your estrogens, so testosterone, uh, DHT, as well as estrogen, uh, your estradiol, I think I pronounced that mm -hmm. right, estrone, and estriol, I think is the other one, and pro progesterone Pro yes and that one <laughs> those are all technically steroid hormones okay right so testosterone through a process called aromatization becomes estrogen so this enzyme called 5a reductase reacts and then turns it into estrogen so you get more exogenous testosterone that supersedes what you are physically capable of producing exogenous means on the outside of your body Right. Uh, it means uh, it's you're taking it in. It's oh, not okay. it's not uh, endogenous. You're not producing it yourself. So taking it via a needle. OK. Your body is not naturally right. creating it. Um, so like a diabetic would take exogenous insulin. Gotcha. Because they can't produce uh, endogenous uh, insulin. So you, you take exogenous testosterone. You have a lot of it. That's going to consequently give you even more estrogen because of aromatization. So uh, in those with breast cancer. Estrogen is detrimental to, or it's detrimental to you if you're undergoing breast cancer. So they will give you uh, medically what they call an aromatase inhibitor, an AI. A, a common one is an astrazole, uh, brand name Arimidex, uh, to stop that from happening. So in Fight Club, Bob got the gynecomastia because apparently he was not taking his aromatase inhibitor. <laughs> And this is what ideally, if you're under doctor supervision with any kind of uh, male hormone replacement protocol, you would uh, be limiting the uptick of estrogen uh, while you take the exogenous testosterone so you can stay in more of a balance. So the, the roid rage is not from that itself. It's from fucking your shit up, your, your, the balance of your hormones. And it will often amplify, uh, and this is a lot of anecdotal stuff, it'll amplify how you already are. So hmm. maybe Fight Club Bob was a sensitive guy. And already cried a lot. Yeah, maybe he was in touch with himself, but then he gets that hormone imbalance because he's got way more testosterone and way more estrogen, then he becomes a big blubbering mess. <laughs> or consequently, you become a massive fucking asshole because you're already kind of a dick. <laughs> and you're not doing your, your drugs right. Okay. So you... I can't think of any examples. I've heard of people having to take exogenous estrogen uh, if they were a cis man doing steroids. But, I mean, who knows? Some people will do uh, all kinds of shit. And then the other thing that happens is we have these other anabolic compounds mm -hmm. that will not aromatize. But every time you stick something in you that replaces the testosterone you make, it drops your level. 
So if you're not taking testosterone uh, or not enough of it, but you're taking other anabolics, then that's another way your hormones can get out of balance. And then maybe you become an asshole or worse, develop some sort of heart problems and die Mm. because you're mixing a bunch of shit and fucking with your endocrinology. So I take it you're a fan of being natural. Uh, no, <laughs> I am very pro steroid. I am on testosterone replacement therapy myself. Really? Yeah. So it all started in 2017 and a friend of mine's like, there's no way you could be healthy with as many donuts as you eat. I said, you son of a bitch, I am going to prove you wrong. And you just brought donuts. I did bring donuts. Thank I fucking you. love donuts. Thank you. Me too. Uh, and so I went and got a blood test from an anti-aging clinic cause it was only 150 bucks. And they're like, Oh, your testosterone's a little low on the, on the low side. Uh, I was like, yeah, why not start testosterone replacement therapy? Occasionally I will bump that dosage up to what we would call a mild anabolic steroid cycle. And then I'll bring it back down depending on the, the goal or the time of the year. Okay. Okay. But I also have doctor supervision and I monitor my blood work. Okay. That sounds very responsible. Yeah, and, and and the thing I am not against, and this is what uh, my co-author and I, we've talked about in the books, don't cheat. So some bodybuilding competitions and powerlifting competitions that drug test, uh, there's ways to circumvent the tests. Hmm. Don't do that. And be honest. Like if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to juice, mm-hmm. be fucking honest, especially if you are a quote unquote influencer. Like it's it's hard to. You can make some reasonable assumptions about steroid use and the people who use them. Like, I would sell my soul if The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, is natural. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He's probably, there's no way. He's probably not. And yeah. the same for any of the, a lot of the uh, the male Marvel cinematic heroes. And, and, and here's the thing about steroids, too. They were never invented to say, man, let's get these people fucking jacked. <laughs> A lot of it was to help people. Uh, so a common oral steroid that people will take, especially uh, cis female competitors in bikini competitions, hmm. if they are on drugs, they will usually take what's called Anavar. That's the brand name for Oxandrolone. They also give it to people with AIDS who have cachexia, which is muscle wasting. Oh, wow. They also give it to burn victims. So what a steroid does, right, all these steroids do, uh, is they maximize your muscle protein synthesis. Wow. And help you recover. So if you have a grueling schedule like that of an actor in the MCU, right. taking steroids under doctor's supervision can be a net positive. Right. Uh, and I know that when I started taking them, I became less snippy. Huh. And I was able to take a nap for like an hour and not crash for three hours in the middle of the day. Wow. That's so interesting. Um, but again, I had doctor supervision. I wasn't just going in blindly, and I also read a lot about it. Right. Back to the actual question. Mm-hmm. Uh, it depends on the type of gym you go to. Uh, if there's going to be like a large amount of competitors there, typically if those competitions have higher stakes, mm-hmm. yeah, there's probably going to be somebody uh, doing steroids. Yeah, and I'm not one to criticize that at all. I've put, I mean, I put cannabis in my body or alcohol sometimes in my body if I yeah. feel like it'll adjust my mood. So. And then, uh, and, and then, like, there's all kinds of things we can do for, for performance enhancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tiger Woods got surgery to make his eyes 2010. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. There's also caffeine. Uh, in chess tournaments, they test for uh, Adderall. Adderall. That was a shot in the dark. I just guessed. Yeah, they test for oh, that. Oh, that's fucking uh, Yeah, amazing. so like uh, wow. there's all kinds of ways. Uh, and actually got into a spirited debate with a friend. She's like, uh, she's like, beta blockers aren't a performance enhancer. I'm like, well, they're enhancing. They're helping these people, like musicians, for mm-hmm. instance, not be nervous so they can better play their instruments at an audition or a concert better. Interesting. So I would call it a performance enhancer, if not in the purest sense of the word. So it depends. And like... The difference between like a like a beta blocker versus a steroid, if you took an untrained guy, mm-hmm. cis guy, mm-hmm. you started giving him testosterone replacement therapy, he will get more muscle, mm-hmm. he will get stronger. And this is without him doing jack shit. Wow. Like, so yeah, that is a significant performance enhancer. Right. Is it going to physically help you be able to swing a bat better? No. Because you, you need the, the muscle memory training anyway. Exactly. Right. Will you have the capacity to practice swinging your bat more? Possibly. Hmm. So that's kind of the, the thing there. Okay. Okay. 
Okay. Well, thank you so much for explaining all of that. So, it, it, yeah, it depends on your, your environment, your gym environment and stuff like that. Right. And that's a really good reminder for people that are entering into new spaces where maybe it's just like a doctor, you should get a couple of opinions <laughs> or like, oh, that one queer space you go into, like if it's not the only one, you should check out some others too, because some environments are really competitive and toxic. Yeah. And speaking to uh, porn, uh, same, mm -hmm. you hear about a... Uh, uh, the male performers using uh, like Viagra or Seattle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Performance. Yeah. And why the fuck wouldn't they? I mean, makes sense to me. Yeah. Like, yeah, I makes mean, shit, sometimes me. having an erection for a long time is difficult. Yeah. Especially like on and off filming for like an hour and a half with like yeah. taking breaks and douching butts and all kinds of things. Yeah. And then, uh, and then putting the two together, Cialis and lifting weights, the vasodilator gives you what they call the pump which is when you feel blood go into your muscles after you lift the weight. Right, because Cialis and Viagra were accidentally, well, Viagra was accidentally discovered because it was a blood pressure medication they were investigating. And they're yep. like, oh, wow, when you relax everybody's blood flow, turns out all their organs fill up, all their parts fill up with more blood. Yeah. Fun. Okay, so let's move on. We're going to talk more about orientation stuff. So do you, listener question is, do you as a bisexual man feel that you have to repeatedly come out to people who think you're straight? No, fuck no. I, I won't. I'm just like, well, if you want to know, just here's my Instagram post on it. But uh, that's the reason why we write these things so we could refer back to them if we're in a position of mild or severe influence amongst the world. But no, like, I'll never full on tell my parents. Okay. Uh, I don't tell them a lot of things about like, I'll tell them everything, but except about, like, my love and sex life. Mm -hmm. They don't need to know that stuff. Uh, but, like, if they ask, will I hide it? No. If you were cohabitating with a man, you probably wouldn't go out of your way to tell them. But if they asked, you would tell them? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to understand the question. Is it biphobic to ask your partner to disclose their sexuality? I don't get that at all. I feel like we need more context. Yeah, I need more context. Uh, in general, like... Like I, like, you know, I, I'll ask that question if I'm curious about a friend. Interesting. And if they think it's problematic then they'll, they'll tell me and I'll say, Oh, sorry about that. And then explain why. How is but that like, is it like a thing? Like, uh, it's like a homophobic thing. Like, Oh, I don't want to be with you if you fucked another man. Cause that is a oh, thing that people, that's a thing. Yeah. That's a thing that you, like, I, I have experienced that. Okay. Um, let's talk about like, that. Oh, you sound indecisive. It's like, no, not really. So wait, do you experience that from women or men? Uh, I have experienced it from both. Uh, and I've also matched like with gay guys on Tinder who are like, oh yeah, we'll get you to leave the girlfriend. Oh, wow. And, like, and you're like, why do I have to? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to talk to you ever again. Yeah. And I, I think uh, especially with, with men, like, because they're still men. Mm -hmm. So they're still, they're not free of all the things that plague us. Misogyny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're, they're not free of that. Sexism. And, um, mm -hmm. Or even racism. Like mm -hmm. nobody's free from, from that and the mm -mm. influence of that. So we are like, all problematic. So like maybe the this particular gay guy uh, was threatened by me being with a woman. I don't know. Yeah. Even though we were literally on a first outing. Oh, really? Yeah, it was the first outing. No pun intended. Yeah. A date. <laughs> well, that's clever. Someone says, let's see, I grew up uh, as a bisexual femme in sports and I found that I felt othered. Have you had any similar experience as a queer male? No, but and 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 here's another part of that question from earlier about why why uh, the coming out question, mm -hmm. not the recent one, but the one before that. I forget exactly what that question was, but like, me too. Because uh, it was I phrased. felt like not coming out for a while, also because like I want to normalize it, but also like people would just made fun of me for being gay back in high school because they thought I was gay. Mm. Uh, and, and then like in college, it kind of wasn't a big deal, but I also didn't like, uh, didn't explore that part of my existence. Mm. Uh, but also like, I also feel like I never had to live fully mm -hmm. the queer experience you hear about mm -hmm. other people living mm -hmm. like, uh, like, yeah, I've been threatened, but not for being part gay mm -hmm. or so part straight here's okay these both relate to this this person says they're they're a man they said i'm a strength athlete for most of my life and biphobic women are the main reason i'm still closeted um and then what you similar to what you said earlier this woman says 
I notice that some gay guys really have something against women. Is that a thing? Oh yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely yeah. a thing. Yeah. The the people I hang out with uh, typically are not uh, quite as as bad about that, but you see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a lot of cattiness involved mm-hmm. sometimes. It smells like fish in here. Like pussy. Uh, like there's women in here, which is also like a transphobic thing to say because then it's like, well, if you're a trans man, are you welcome in those spaces because you have a cunt? That then, comes up. I've oh, seen that. Oh, and uh, my partner, uh, she was at a at a club or something like that, and a gay man fondled her breasts, and rude. She said something about it because that's who she is. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, "It's okay, I'm gay." Oh, great. And she's like, "No, that's that's <laughs> still not, the not case. okay." So yeah, there are there are biphobic women, but also uh, there are typically, and it, it, it's probably a regional thing. Uh, like I have. <laughs> I uh, I matched with a lady in Tampa once when I was back home, and she's like, yeah, I'm not bisexual, but I noticed that I only get the bisexual guys if I have my Tinder turned on to men and women. And I'm like, oh, that's clever, because she will only mess, a- yeah. mess around with uh, bisexual people, bisexual men. And uh, in Seattle, it's like, uh, yeah, like it's it's pretty common for women to want to go after bisexual guys. Nice. I say nice because all of my sex with like queer people tends to be better. And I just encourage any man I meet at this point where I'm like, so I attract, actually I've started saying this. I attract a lot of bi and queer men. Like you wouldn't happen to be (laughs) someone recently. They're like, well, they're like, I've actually done like a lot of gay stuff, but I don't really talk about it. I'm like, interesting. Yeah, that's a, that's a thing that happens a lot, too. Yeah, that's a thing that happens. And sometimes, like, uh, it's actually funny because on my Instagram post, uh, the guy I co-wrote books with, he's like, well, I'm shocked. He was obviously kidding, but he's also <laughs> known me for 10 years. Uh, and even though it's never come up, like, you could figure it out. Like, I was into musical theater. I started college as a theater major, not to be all stereotypical, but, like. But here we are. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this lends to our last listener question. Have you ever encountered homophobia in the workout industry and how do you deal with it or what have you observed? That's a good question. And uh, I will totally be able to answer that with a nice 30 second soundbite. Personally, very little. People will make jokes about me uh, because I'm pretty open about some things. Like I've, if you ask most people who've been following me for a couple of years, they know I like butt stuff specifically pegging yeah and when you it's so funny you'll troll like you're not really troll but yeah you're kind of trolling i don't know you'll go to my comments and you'll say something about like getting fucked in the ass just to like potentially trigger that one homophobe that yeah. like, decides to argue with you and i'm like Haha, got him again peter but uh, you found him so people know that i'm into that and they'll if they've been following me for any length of time so some people have like, well, you like this and that's gay as fuck. And you're like, yeah. And it's usually, and it's weird know. because now like a, a lot of, a lot of people in the wellness industry at large, mm-hmm. they, they took something and this was an epiphany I had at the Arnold Sports Expo in oh. Columbus, Ohio, two years ago. Oh my. Uh, that's actually a place that makes me feel significantly small and very much triggers a little bit of body dysmorphia in me. Really? Yeah, because I don't view myself as a big man. Okay. Well, compared to Arnold fucking Schwarzenegger. Exactly. And and you go to a place like this and there's like these fucking monstrous looking people. They're like, I saw Hafthor Bjornsson, the mountain on Game of Thrones. Oh, God. Massive son of a bitch. Oh, like, God. Uh, yeah, he's just a big guy. And then like, but what we call general population, people who aren't uh, bodybuilders, competitors of any kind. Mm-hmm. Yes, maybe I am a little bigger. Yes. And, uh, so... I fucking forgot where I was going. Uh, yeah, you came through the door and I was like, are his elbows going to be okay? <laughs> and uh, so like these people, uh, so based on what we've talked about with uh, the gay history from back in the day with like Eugene Sandow, now like there's a lot of weird right-wing people that are in the industry and they have a very loud voice and it's very uh, bad. Some of it's full-on outright racism along with homophobia and traditional gender roles and if anybody wants to see examples of this in action follow the page you look like a man Mm. it points out all the shitty things uh men will say to these women who lift weights interesting uh and i believe it's you look like a man and there's a period between every word okay and and they're on instagram it's it's Mm. eye-opening but 
God damn, some days it's just depressing going through their stories of just all this right. stuff. This is something that men who consider themselves allies can go look at for five minutes. This, it's this just is nothing, so fucking... It's, nothing that women need to look at because we already know. It, yeah, it's just so bad. It's like... It's it's very depressing to look at, and so you you see a lot of you see a lot of that now, and these these guys, and they will highlight some of these accounts where, like a guy, I used to follow this guy on YouTube before he went absolutely far off bonkers. Uh, he's like, nobody wants a male a, a female CEO. Men want somebody they could take care of. Blah blah blah. Uh, uh, what year is it? And uh, he's a man of color, also oh, hard Donald Trump guy. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and you could make the argument that they're doing it as a cash grab to bilk thousands out of these, these uh, vulnerable men. And I think there's a lot of truth to that because they will host these seminars about how to like lead your woman and shit like that and all kinds of misogynistic things. Mm. And there's an audience for that. There is. Mm-hmm. And they pay thousands of dollars to go to these fucking seminars. Oh, God. Uh, of course they're in Florida usually. Oh God. Florida is not a safe space for me. <laughs> Florida's not a safe space for itself. Yeah. Like on so many levels, both literal and figurative. Yeah. Uh, And so, yeah, then there's like these types of people and they have a big audience and some of them have been around and they've changed and morphed into that. And uh, some are just being more vocal about it now. So Mm -hmm. like. So it exists. So yes, it exists. You don't. I don't experience it all together too much. And besides, like, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good at shutting these people down and making them look worse uh, without being, I mean, I can get pretty combative because it's, it's a very trying thing to do to like read some of these things that these people are saying. And it, it, it hurts like the, you look like a man page. Like I can only go through their stories so much. Mm-hmm. I want, I want them to keep showing up on my feed. So I'll let the stories play through and I might not even look at it, mm-hmm. but like, like just, the world needs to know that this stuff happens. They do. So anyone else who might be thinking this as well, part of the reason you probably haven't encountered a ton of it is because you are very passing, like normie passing. Yeah. Yeah. Like the in Tampa, it was a big deal when I would wear my booty shorts to the gym. <laughs> which if anybody's really? if anybody's seen my Instagram, like yeah, and it was it was in Tampa, and uh, but here not quite as much. Okay, what color are they? Your booty shorts. I have tons. Oh, I have gray ones. I got pink ones. I got black ones. Ooh, cool. Okay. I also got a nice selection of tights. Ooh. Or leggings. <laughs> Cute. That makes both of us. Hey there. Do you want to help people and make money doing it? Becoming a coach might be your ticket. The coaching industry is currently filled with a lot of straight white coaches and working with straight white people who have the privilege to hire them. The coaching guild is changing that. The Coaching Guild is looking for diverse people with diverse experiences and backgrounds who want to get university-level training to become a coach. This is not a shortcut certification program. This is intense training for the real world. They are looking for the artists, the rebels, and the wild ones. You can change the world one client at a time and make money doing it. Visit www.thecoachingguild.com. Do you have a sensitive vulva or vagina? Me too. People with vaginas will experience at least one yeast infection in their lifetime, and many folks like myself get them every time the seasons change. As someone who relies on their vaginal health for their personal and professional wellness, I use Momotaro Apotheca solutions for preventing bacterial vaginosis or yeast infection. Their products also serve urinary tract infections, postpartum care issues, aftercare, and general irritation from sex, clothing, and exercise. I love these things. I use them to shorten my healing time or prevent irritation. Use Stripper Writer for a discount code and check out their affiliated CBD products at oshihana.com. That's momotaroapotheca.com and oshihana.com. Welcome back to They Talk Sex podcast. We are talking about gay stuff and bi stuff and queer stuff and fitness, bodybuilding, exercise, gym culture, all of those things. People should check you out on peterdbaker.com. The second best article I ever wrote is on that website, and it's about uh, heterosexual male anal penetration. Hell yeah. Reception. Okay. 
Okay. Be, being receptive to that. Okay. We definitely have an audience for that. Yeah. I figured a lot of people, and I wrote that a couple of years ago, made some changes because back then I still called myself straight. Oh, okay. So you refer to yourself as straight in there. Yeah. But I went back and changed that. Oh, good. Good for it. you. Good for you. Um, someone I am sleeping with, I'm just going to open all my segments that way. Someone I'm sleeping with sent me this article when I told them I was doing this episode. And uh, it's just this cute little feature on Vice from earlier this year about an MMA, a former MMA fighter, uh, Diego Garrijo, <laughs> in drag is known as Lola. He is a drag queen. I just thought this was something, this is so Vice, you know, like clickbaity and kind of wholesome while being like irreverent. He's from San Diego. He's the notorious Lola Pistola. So interestingly enough, when someone's in drag, I believe it's supposed to be you refer to them as she or they, or when they're out of drag, I've hold, I've been told usually they is what you divert to or is what you would usually use. Um, they write this article using he pronouns. So that's just something I wanted to point out and I hope that he's okay with it and that's why I'm referring to him as he. Do you have any thoughts on that? I feel like the, I feel like the Vice people probably would have I hope they would have asked. Vice has fucked up before. We all do. Um, but I mean, they did get rid of... Did he leave or did they get rid of Gavin McInnes? Oh, Gavin McInnes sold it or like was bought out years and years ago. Well, thank God. Yeah. And now he's putting butt plugs in his butt to prove that he is not gay to own the libs. Right. So if anyone just now is like, wait, wait, what? What's all that? So the original founder of Vice, um, Gavin McInnes, is a... Alt-right Trump supporter. He also founded the Proud Boys, did he not? Uh, or was Proud some sort Boys of leadership founder. position? He is. He was the founder of the Proud Boys, which is very misogynist. That was the Western chauvinist culture. Their own words. It's literally in the name. Yeah. And they, interestingly enough, have some other kind of similarities to stuff we were talking about earlier, where they say like, you're not supposed to masturbate very often. Oh, fucking right? that bullshit. Yeah, that's in there. Um, but he, on his radio podcast show, whatever it is, and this was real. This was a few years ago. I think it was 2016 or so. He put a pretty big butt plug in that his thing butt. Was, that thing that was, was significant. And it looked like he was going in dry too, which it is... It did look like he went in dry. I don't know if he... He had a look. lot of pain look on his face. He turned totally red, but his purpose was, look, I'm not homophobic. Look at this thing I'm going to shove in my butt. Which, like, first of all, a lot of people who are gay and queer aren't into butt stuff. They're not. No, that's true. Yeah. Um, Poodle. Poodle agrees. Um, secondly, no, you are homophobic because of literally, literally you do. the rules you made in your silly little boys group. No, the MMA fighter retired in 2012 after his retina detached. Oh. He says the doctors were able to save his eye, but it doesn't work so well anymore. Um, how did you get into drag? There is a photo of me as a six-year-old in which I'm wearing my mother's bra and panties. She brought me up alone, and I had a couple of gay cousins, so I wasn't exposed to many traditional masculine stereotypes. Maybe that's why I can be very feminine. I think people wonder if I'm gay, but they don't understand that femininity and sexual preference are two completely different things. So it sounds like he's saying he's straight. Um, he says, a few years ago, I took a course on emotional intelligence. We were told we needed to leave our comfort zone. I really enjoy talking in front of lots of people and being the center of attention, but the word drag crossed my mind. And I thought, damn, that's it. I took up dance classes, had my ears pierced, and got my body waxed. I learned how to walk in high heels, and someone helped me with outfits. So oh he does shows. The uh, the body waxing. I, so if, you, if anybody stumbles on my Instagram, they'll go back and see a bunch of partially nude photos of me, which is what I do in lieu of doing bodybuilding competitions. Mm-hmm. I Love got that. my body sugared entirely for mm -hmm. a lot of those. And when COVID happened, I was like, I'm probably never going to do this again because it fucking hurts. Ah, yeah, wax Surprisingly, hurts. though, getting your asshole sugared and waxed, not nearly as bad as getting your scrotum or what I imagine a labia waxing feels like. But up here on the chest, that probably hurts the most. Yeah, you're so right. I'm like nodding and bobbing my head because I actually just paid for my a friend of mine's first Brazilian he's ever had. 
and he's excited. And I said the same thing where I said, your butthole doesn't hurt so much. Granted, I have way less hair there than he does, but I have a lot there and like I could take it. It's very taut and also the nerves are different. But yeah, the labial skin and the scrotal skin, especially scrotal skin is loose. You got to hold it. You got to hold it. And if you don't hold it, you're going to have a bad time when they rip that fucking thing off. And that's why a lot of waxers don't do males or scrotums. Um, because it's tricky and also the only time I ever got a skin tear from a wax was on my labia yeah yeah (laughs) I'm making a face of horror right now (laughs) I know um one last thing I want to read from this vice piece which if you want to look it up by the way it is called in the ring he's an MMA fighter well he was by night he's a drag queen called Lola (laughs) wait two things that are cute Waxing is bad, but you know what's worse? Breaking an acrylic fingernail. It's a nightmare. As for punches to the face, they don't bother me. <laughs> I actually don't wear acrylics, and um, I've done that, and it is disgustingly painful. So the last thing I want to say about this, because the the interviewer asks, did the drag community accept you? And Diego says, I got a lot of love from people in the drag scene, as well as the trans and gay communities. Um and then he's asked, do you see, so Diego is asked, or Lola is asked, do you see similarities between professional martial arts and drag? And Diego, Lola says, martial arts show us the beauty of humans overcoming great resistance. In drag, it's about overcoming toxic masculinity. Trans people of color in particular are the most oppressed people of all, and they have the highest suicide rates. They should be supported instead of marginalized. So I think he's referring to the fact that drag came from people of color communities, like black people and Latin people in, I think it was 70s, like New York, like Harlem area specifically. On that, I would uh, recommend everybody. Um, Of course, it's not, I mean, it's a movie, but it's one of my favorites, and it, uh, highlights the comparisons between uh, actually it's two movies really uh darren aronofsky's black swan and the wrestler which he originally mm. wanted to be one movie but obviously two big stories wow. came out of that but he noticed that there were a lot of similarities between professional wrestling and ballet the way they brutalize their body but in the mm-hmm. movie the wrestler marissa tomei is in it you get to see your breasts and they're wonderful she's a stripper daughter right uh, not the daughter. Uh, she she has a parallel storyline to okay. uh, Mickey Rourke's character because they're both, quote unquote, past their prime. Okay. Uh, and Mickey Rourke's character, you know, he had his heyday back in like the 80s and he's still trying to relive that just like Marissa Tomei's character is. Oh, okay. okay. So you basically get to see the toll it takes on their bodies and how they deal with it and how they deal both with having kids and, okay. um, you know, their whole identity being tied into their life except it for and maybe it is a male thing because i see this a lot with the guys hmm. that, that i encounter um their identity is tied very much into what they do very good movie i've wanted to see that movie i will see it eventually i remember reading reviews about it and it shows um, how, like, using, like, a razor blade to cut, like, a part of your body to show blood. like. Oh, yeah, that's blood. an old wrestling trick called blading. Oh, my God. Uh, and you cut a, you get a little cut right right there in your head because, you know, the sweat's going to make it look right. immense. And uh, that's what they do. And uh, they've outlawed that since, uh, in at least in WWE now, uh, as well as chair shots directly to the head. Yeah, it's incredibly dangerous and, like, yeah. blood transmission issues. Yeah, and... Um, Occasionally, shit oh, still happens. Bloodborne pathogen but, disease. Uh, and alongside of uh, uh, the wrestling comes from carnivals. Mm. So that's where a lot of the terminology comes from. Fun fact. Carnivals and stand-up comedy and saloons and um, yeah, theater houses with burlesque. Like A lot of it really ties in to itself i mean a lot of people were just beating the shit out of our bodies and we're expected to be entertainers and we're expected to be on so then when the person's not working it's like what is my identity yeah and you, you could talk to any great power lifter uh about that or any great bodybuilder which is why 
I think uh, the the precedent that people like Arnold set, and uh, even some of his contemporaries like Lou Ferrigno, uh, who played the Incredible Hulk in the eighties, mm. uh, and his now deceased best friend Franco Colombo, uh, they did they did other shit. Mm-hmm. Arnold did acting and uh, somehow became governor. <laughs> uh, the governor. I love saying that. I was in high school when he got elected to governor. I believe and- I was too. <laughs> So there's so much more for people to read about and learn about um, on these topics. Do you have any resources that you recommend besides all the ones you already did? Go to the places where you want to learn something or where like your audience might hang out. It could be Reddit. It could be Quora. Mm-hmm. It could be Facebook groups. It could be wherever. Read the comments and see what people want and then answer those questions. Don't answer it in the comments. Answer it in the form of whatever the fuck content you're going to create. Mm, true. And then and then you'll have content because people are always going to be asking questions. How do you think, I didn't, I didn't ask this, but how do you think fitness ties into sexuality? Because this is a sexuality podcast, but we haven't really talked about sex at all. A lot of men will get into fitness because they want to look better so they can have sex with women. Oh, that is very true. I first started lifting weights uh, like 2005. I was like, man, I really don't like the way I look. I should go and uh, I should go and join a gym. So I did uh, join the what was then called the Athletic Club in a small city called Plant City, Florida. Oh, Plant City. Uh, winter strawberry capital of the world. Not even a joke. They have a strawberry festival and everything oh. with pig races. It's not all bad in Florida. No, but that's a very fundamentalist town. They used to have snake handler back, snake handling Pentecostals back in the day. Oh God! Okay, it is uh, all but it's, it's come up a long way uh, since then. Uh, Shout out to our Florida listeners. <laughs> uh, and you know, I'm a former tampon, so I can make fun tampon. of tampon. I like that better than tampanian. <laughs> uh, but uh, so I, I joined the gym because I wanted to look better, and uh, and then I assume it worked to some sort of degree, but also like. Uh, the guy I co-wrote the books with, he, I don't know if, I can't remember. He used to get bullied a lot as a kid and then he got into lifting. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's a lot of themes running along those lines there where a lot of guys will basically try to build a literal bodysuit of armor around themselves. What? Like, yeah, to, to shield them and protect them. And Oh, you mean so they don't have to like feel feelings? (laughs) <laughs> I think it can lead to that, but like, you know, that comes from this place of insecurity and then they start lifting weights. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and actually I, I met my therapist via my co-author. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Which, uh, I'll tell you why that's hilarious Yeah. in a second. But, um, so like, uh, a lot of, and I think a lot of the guys who get into this, they, they miss the other mental component and they, then I think that's how they get swayed by some of these more nefarious characters in the industry and in the media out there. So more nefarious, I would say components. So if what I'm hearing is if you decide you want to feel better about your body or yourself and you start lifting weights and it's going well and you're getting bigger and you're getting compliments and you're feeling better, that does not make you a fully formed person. You're not fixed now. You still have to like learn how to communicate and you do. other things about the world or else and, you're going to suck to date. And, and not to let down the, uh, the, the straight men who get into lifting for the first time, but you will get more compliments on your physique in general from other dudes. <laughs> Sometimes they'll say no homo before they say it <sighs> as if they have to qualify that type of thing which they shouldn't have to qualify that it's okay to compliment another man and his arms or his uh legs or whatever whether you are into that man sexually or not what's a good response to to no homo i i'd be like yeah sometimes homo i just say full-on homo (laughs) good or it depends on how well i know the person and how safe you are yeah like it, it, it depends on how well i know the person i will I'm in a position, obviously, where I don't have to think about my safety nearly as much, mm-hmm. uh, though I have had some moments that made me question that, and they were not the moments that people would think they might be. Hmm. Um, if anyone's listening to this and you want to recommend yourself or another person, if it's a person of color or trans identity who's in these spaces, I would love to hear from you. Write to me. They talk sex at protonmail.com. Because all of these topics that we that I host here um, will be expanded upon with multiple guests. 
I think I could find some people for you. Oh, too. I would love that. Um, okay, so I ask all of our guests, and since we related this to sex a little bit now, finally, do you have any sex tips for our audience? Give three. Never underestimate how important it is to smell nice. Mm. People compliment me on my smells all the time, and I'm like, all I do is put on juniper berry deodorant. <laughs> okay. I, I do, since I have a beard, I do put some stuff in that now, and that's nice. That's good, because a stale beard is not a good smell. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like the equivalent of a leave-in conditioner, which uh, it smells nice and it feels good. Yeah. Uh, and so smell good. Get really good at using your hands. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, there's like all kinds of great resources on that. Um, and you will always have a better time if you prioritize maybe a little bit more than your own, even uh, the person or persons with whom you're having sex is pleasure. Because, mm. uh, yeah, it'll always come back to you and whatever way that looks like between the, the parties and how they discuss it. But prioritize that above your own. Mm. And I think that's going to lead you to like some really good experiences. I think you're absolutely right. Thank you so much, Peter, for coming on. People write to him, peterdbaker.com on Twitter as the same name. Write to me if you feel adventurous. I'm mostly an Instagram guy. You're mostly though. an Instagram I don't, guy. Uh, I don't do a lot of the Twitter. Write to me, they talk sex at protonmail.com. Until next time, see you on the internet, Peter. Have fun. 